Hello, folks. Good afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when you are listening to this. Uh, this is episode three already, so that's three episodes in pretty quickly. Uh, welcome back. This is Dean, and this is Take 15 with Dean. Uh, for those of you who have been around for the first, ep- two, first two episodes, I appreciate you coming back. If you are new, welcome. Uh, Take 15 with Dean is my little piece of the podcast world where uh, I like to work out some of my frustrations or answer some of the questions in my head or talk through some of the questions in my head of the things that I see uh, in the business world. I am a former project manager and uh, sales rep for a couple of major companies here in the Raleigh-Durham area. Spent the last probably seven years or so uh, with my work refocused on leadership and development of leaders. So spent time with a digital magazine. It's my first step interviewing CEOs and entrepreneurs from across the globe. Uh, After that had a spectacular failure. Uh, I decided to retool, Uh, wrote my first book, which is The Five Truths of Remarkable Leaders. After that first book, I found that I really enjoyed the process and that that helped me deal with a lot of the things that I had been seeing and hadn't been able to fully understand or explain. And so I decided that that was going to be my thing. That's where I was going to devote my time. So I am still an author. I also now uh, spend my time as a business mentor here in the Raleigh-Durham area. And that's helping small business owners and entrepreneurs get their build, get their businesses up and running or keep them running or address short-term issues that they may be having. So I sort of spend my time still right in the mix with folks who are building their dreams and their financial sort of aspirations. And as a result, I like to just stay up on top of what's going on. And then if you throw in the research that I have to do when I'm writing, and then my general curiosity for documents and going down some of these YouTube rabbit holes, uh, I find myself spending a lot of time doing research, a lot of time, and a lot of time writing. But I don't have a lot of time to read uh, for pleasure. Let me put it that way. I don't have to find myself having a lot of time to read for pleasure, right? Most of the reading that I do is very specific, is very targeted. I'm looking for information. I'm trying to understand a concept or a process as I'm developing new content based about that. But over the last couple of years, I have found a few books that I, while I took a lot from those books, I actually enjoyed reading those books as well. And those readings from those books, in a lot of cases have brought me to where I am today. And in a lot of cases, they've helped me redefine sort of how I see things. So if I'm gonna grab a book, I definitely want that book to impress me. I want it to have me thinking when I'm done with it and something that I can sort of fold into how I'm moving forward. So today we're going to talk about four books that I think are game changers for anyone who is willing to take the time and read them. Um, We're not going to do deep, deep breakdowns of each book. Uh, I'm sure there are are tons of reviews for each of these books, so there's more than enough information available to you. But I'm going to touch on the four books that have in the last probably seven years or so that have really helped, like I said, help. They're paradigm shifters for me, probably, is the best way to describe them. Um, And I would imagine that after you finish reading them, if it's anything like it was for me, 
a lot of the questions that you may have found yourself asking at different points in time, you might suddenly find answers to. So settle in, get comfortable. We'll be just about 15 minutes as always. And let's dive in and start with, and this will be in no particular order. So the first book that we're going to start with is a book entitled Switch. Now, this book was written by uh, Chip and Dan Heath. And what caught me about this book initially was the cover of the book. It was basically a light switch um, and with the title and subtitle on there. And of course, it was done illustratively to help get the title across. So just the, the cover really grabbed my eye. And I think the full title is Switch, How to Make Change, How to Make Hard Changes Stick or something along those lines. Um, this is a book that I went through in about three days. And every time I finished a chapter, like a different light bulb went off and I found myself having these internal discussions about what I just read uh, because the information was, it was really clearly written, but it was opening up a new way of, of, of viewing things in the world, I guess, if you want to put it that way. So the primary argument that the brothers break, and remember this is switch how to make change or how to make a hard change stick, something along those lines. Um, the primary argument that the brothers present goes this way. We generally miss the real reason why people can't make changes in their lives. We typically write that off to people being lazy, having no motivation, or no real desire to change their current circumstances. And we tend to just group everybody in those categories, right? Instead, what the brothers are arguing is that before you can make a change, you have to create the create the ideal environment first, right? You can't bake a cake if you don't have the right uh, environment to bake a cake. You got to have the ingredients, but you got to have the right environment as well, right? Got to have an oven, got to have a sink, got to have tools. So you got to have the right environment for anything to happen and to stick. And so the environment that they're discussing includes the marriage of the right emotional and logical factors because we are emotional and logical beings but it's also paired with a simplified process to help you execute that change right sometimes you can have all the right uh motivation you can have all the right emotional reasons to do it and logical reasons to do it but the process for doing it just might be difficult right so think about it are you having trouble setting up a new workout routine Everything might be set up for you to do it. You got the equipment. You know you need to get in better shape because your doctor wants you to get in better shape for yourself and your family. But there's just a process about getting to the gym that makes it complicated. Maybe it's too early. Maybe it's too late. Maybe you have to drive too far. Right? There's, there's something about the process that just makes it complicated. Well, what Switch does in a real cool way is it helps you, it helps you with that. It helps you figure out those things. It helps you identify what those particular potential problems are and ways to solve it. So if you've ever heard of the rider, the elephant, and the path, this is a reference to switch. Um, those The authors build on the work of a psychologist named Jonathan Haidt. I believe it's Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. And the rider and the elephant are the emotional and logical and, of course, the path is this simplification of things, right? So if you're looking for a way to implement changes in your life that are meaningful, they're lasting and repeatable, uh, you should definitely give this book a read.
Now, next up is a is a favorite of mine. I came across this first as a video on YouTube uh, back early 2013, 2014. Uh, this book is called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Uh, I said I was living in Miami at the time and I've been, for me, I was already starting to see that a, a massive career change was coming down the tunnel. It was heading my way. There wasn't much I could do about it. So I was just listening to different things on YouTube, trying to get a, get a feel for where I should be. Some Les Brown, uh, Tony Robbins, Dwayne Dyer, you know, all that good stuff. And I came across this still photo of Earl Nightingale and the secret, the strangest, uh, the title, The Strangest Secret. What I found out later on, and this is probably the earliest motivational recording, period. Um, I believe he was actually making this for the sales rep in his company. He was using this as a tool for them. And then, you know, it sort of grew from there. But in its simplest form, uh, what Earl Nightingale is suggesting is that you become what you think about most often. If you cultivate negative thoughts, you can expect negative results. If you cultivate positive thoughts, you can expect positive results. It's really brilliant in the simplicity and relatability of it. One of my favorite lines from the book and from the recording, basically, which the recording the book just is a you know, hard copy of the recording, is that success is the progressive realization of an ideal goal. Now, that in itself is enough to, you know, sort of, like I said, be a paradigm shift for people because the way we see success as individuals, I'm not sure if we see it as the progressive realization of an ideal goal. We, success, we see success as a destination, right? Not sort of as a growth. But if you think about it this way, so are you looking to reframe or set new professional goals, right? Are you looking to reframe or set new personal goals? What The Strangest Secret is going to do is help you get in the right mind frame first. to help you sort of reorient yourself. Um, again, this thing about success, he talks about the teacher. So the person who set out to become a teacher in her local school, if she became a teacher in her local school, she is a success because it's the progressive realization of an ideal goal. She may not be the wealthiest person in her community, but if she wanted to be a teacher, she became a teacher, then she's a success. And now she can build from there. Um, in the book, at the end of each chapter, there are some reflection questions and I, it, it appears they're designed really to help you get past. So if you ask these questions to yourself, they're designed in such a way to help you get past the typical surface answers that you might give um, when you talk about success, hard work, and determination. So again, this is a great read. It's a great listen to. It's about 45 minutes if you listen to it. It's a great little book to have in your library because it's one that you can refer to time and time again. Next up, we're going to get to uh, what is one of the funnier books that I've read in quite some time, but still very, very uh, just important, I guess is the best way to describe it. And that's The Peter Principle, which was written by Lawrence Peters. Now, this is a book for me that sort of reframed how I look at leadership. When I was in corporate America, if you will, um, there were things going on and I just didn't have the terminology to explain it. Later on, I would find out a lot of what was happening behind the scenes, but I didn't have the proper way to explain it to people. So it was, I was 
I was complaining, if you will, about things because I didn't know how to explain it any other way. And when I finally got my hands on this book, this was like a parting of the clouds and, you know, sunlight coming through. I absolutely love this book for that reason. Now, it's it, it was intended as a satirical piece. And you can tell that in the style of writing. And, and when you read the book, you'll get that there's meant to be satire. But it's a, it does so much more than that. And, and I'd love to know if he intended it to do this, if that was really his goal. Um, or if he really was just trying to be as satirical as possible. Um, but it would, be, it would be easy to think in a book that is based in satire that there wouldn't be anything actionable, right, that you could take away from it because there's so much humor or satire in it. And I want to let you know right off the bat, that's wrong. There's so much to take from this book, especially if you're new to this world of leadership or management or if you're looking to find a way to do something different in that arena. Uh, this book doesn't take any prisoners, right? No one is above the Peter principle. No one. We're all going to be victim to it at some point in time. And he does a great job of reminding you as the reader of that. He likes to outline weak points in the management structure and the promotion process. And by doing so, what he's doing is giving you foresight to help you identify your own personal shortcomings and those of the people around you. And this isn't meant to say you can, this person's bad or this person's bad or this person's bad or they're terrible, but it's to really help you identify the structural issues that can exist inside of any type of organization. I don't care if it's profit, nonprofit, legal, illegal, small, big, private, tech, not, whatever. All organizations with people are eventually going to fall uh fall prey to this right and and he does a really good job of helping you see that you're not going to outrun the peter principle by any means but it's one of those things where if you know you can learn ways to minimize the impact i, I would say it's an absolute must read um if you want to laugh a little a little bit while you're getting a better understanding of what modern day management is and you can appreciate some of the dry humor, I think you'll find it a great fit. Uh, there are fictional or, I don't know, semi-fictional stories that he uses to highlight a lot of what's going on. You'll come to know terms like the Peters Plateau, the lateral arabesque, and the percussive sublimation. Trust me, the lateral arabesque and the percussive sublimation, once you read them and think about what happened in your company when people got promoted, It'll be, it, again, it'll be like the sky's opening up because you'll see things happening so much clearer. There are a ton of obscure references. However, the book does have a lot of humor on it, but ultimately he's really dead on in the challenges that new future and current managers are going to face as they grow their careers. So I definitely think you should add that to your library. And then finally, um, this book this next book, along with the Peter Principle, are the anchors for what are going to be the next book or the second book, which I'm in the process of completing now, which I've entitled uh, The De-Evolution of Management. But this next book is the book into it. And I think you should have them both. You need to read them both because you need both perspectives to really make this work. And this is The Practice of Management by Peter Drucker. Now, if you know anything about management in modern day form, Peter Drucker is pretty much considered to be, 
I won't say the godfather, but the guru of what modern day management is. The amount of material and information he has contributed to the idea of management is they're just volumes of work done by Peter Drucker. And, and most people will say quite, you know, he's he's the godfather, if you will, or the guru of what we know as management today. Uh, the book, as he wrote it, is basically a blueprint, right? He outlines in a very detailed and specific way what management should be doing or what it should consist of. And sadly, I think that most managers today really don't know of its existence. Um, if they did, I imagine they would do things differently. Uh, it's not an easy read. This is one of the tougher reads in this group of books that I'm giving to you. About 400 pages. There's some really dense text. Um, it may feel like it gets off into the weeds at times, but he does it all to help, again, build your understanding of this practice of what he calls the practice of management. Now, at the core, uh, there are a couple of things that he thinks each management team should be focused on. And we, we don't speak about managers so much as we speak about them as a team. And there are three things. It's one, managing the business managing the managers and then finally you want to manage the work and the workers now if you're in a management role you're thinking about a management role i want you to consider those three three factors one first is managing the business next it's managing the managers and then only at the end are we talking about managing the work and the workers i will tell you today that that most cases it's reversed and most managers think about managing the work and the workers first and managing the business last. But we'll say that for a later conversation. Now, my personal copy is marked up from front to back because there's just a lot to capture. Uh, if you happen to be setting up a first-time management structure, follow the recommendations as he lays them out in the book because um, I think it'll get you off to a solid start. If you are inside the middle of your management career and you're wanting to go back and maybe try to find a way to make things better for yourself or the folks around you, Give the book a read. Again, it's going to give you some information that I think will help clarify what you could be doing versus what you are doing. Uh, he's big on holding the entire team responsible, right? The entire team is responsible, and that comes through the book. If the business is failing, it's the fault of the management team. Not the workers so much. It's the fault of the management team. So again, just a different way of looking at uh, modern day management uh, from a person who is undoubtedly one of the most trusted voices when it comes to it. Now, by no means am I thinking this is a, like, this is not the end all be all list. I'm not going to tell you it's the definitive list or the four books you should only ever read. That would be crazy. But these are four books that I think that I would argue if you read them, the impact of those books and what you can do is hard to eclipse by anybody else. And I know you'll throw your Seth Godin's, uh, your Jack Welch's, your Tony Robbins. They'll, they'll be all type of management gurus that you'll want to quote. And I'm not telling you that they're bad. I'm just saying when you read these books, really read them, take the time, and then think about them as a collective. It's hard to argue that this group isn't a very influential group of writers and very influential contribution of works if you look at that that way so everything in these books is that is designed to help you it's designed to assist you and inform you help you make better decisions 
ultimately, I think that they'll help you make better moves in your career. Some of even will be personal. A lot of it is easy to take and translate into immediate steps, which is another good thing. You don't have to be a PhD to read these books and understand the information either. So take some time out again. You're looking at The Practice of Management by Peter Drucker. You're looking at The Peter Principle, written by Lawrence Peters. You're looking at The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale and Switch by the Heath Brothers. So that's it for episode three. As always, if you like what you heard or if you have any type of feedback, feel free to respond through Anchor. You can get get at me through Instagram or Twitter. I won't say get at me, but you can reach me through Instagram or Twitter. It is 23RDANDPKWY 23rd and Parkway. Look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you next time. Thanks a bunch.